Hello and welcome to the Minimum Competence episode for Thursday, July 20th, 2023. I'm your host for today, Andrew Leahy, a tax and technology attorney from New Jersey. In today's episode, we have Tom Cotton threatening big law diversity initiatives, DoorDash goes hourly wage, gun rights advocates challenge Massachusetts law, Trump fails to get hush money case moved to federal court, and Tesla to turn over Elon's emails. Let's finish out Thursday with a win and triumphantly face down today's legal news. On this day in history, July 20th, 1990, Supreme Court Justice William Brennan retired. William Joseph Brennan Jr., an influential American jurist, served as an associate justice on the Supreme Court of the United States from 1956 until 1990, making him the seventh longest serving justice in history. To add some color to that run, he was appointed by President Eisenhower and his successor was appointed by George H.W. Bush. Brennan, originally from Newark, New Jersey, pursued economics at the University of Pennsylvania before studying at Harvard Law School, later practicing law privately in New Jersey and serving in the U.S. Army during World War II. He was appointed to the Supreme Court of New Jersey in 1951 and was placed on the Supreme Court by President Dwight D. Eisenhower in 1956 via a recess appointment. On the Supreme Court, Brennan was recognized for his progressive stance, opposing the death penalty, advocating for abortion and gay rights, and dissenting in over 1,400 cases where the court declined to review a death sentence. Brennan penned several landmark case opinions, such as Baker v. Carr, Eisenstadt v. Baird, Craig v. Boren, and New York Times Co. v. Sullivan significantly influencing American jurisprudence. His ability to negotiate votes and shape varied opinions led to his recognition as one of the court's most influential members, with Justice Antonin Scalia naming him probably the most influential justice of the 20th century. He retired in 1990 and was succeeded by David Souter. Justice Brennan passed away in 1997. Senator Tom Cotton, a prominent critic of progressive initiatives, has cautioned law firms and their clients regarding their use of diversity, equity, and inclusion programs. Following the U.S. Supreme Court's decision to nullify affirmative action in higher education institutions, the Arkansas Republican issued warnings to 51 national and global law firms, stating that their continued endorsement of DEI programs could potentially breach federal law. Cotton, who sits on the Senate Judiciary Committee, predicted that both Congress and private entities would use their respective powers to examine the surge in race-based employment practices. He also communicated to the firms, including Allen & Overy, Greenberg Traurig, and Hogan Lovells, that they should be prepared to answer to Congress if they persist with race-based programs. The notice extended beyond law firms, with Republican attorneys general from several states also cautioning Fortune 100 CEOs against racially motivated hiring and recruitment practices. Cotton has previously issued similar warnings, including a communication to Target's CEO advising against the company's DEI practices. Alongside other Republicans, Cotton had issued a warning in November to the same law firms concerning the risks associated with their environmental, social, and governance practices. DoorDash Inc., a major player in the gig economy, is testing a new hourly wage option for its drivers, which could potentially reshape their classification under federal labor laws. Currently, most gig economy companies, including DoorDash, categorize their workers as independent contractors who do not receive the same protections as employees under federal employment laws. This new pay model might suggest DoorDash exercises a significant amount of control over its drivers, a key factor in determining whether a worker is an employee or a contractor. DoorDash maintains that the new payment structure gives drivers more choices and control over their pay, signifying an independent contractor status. This comes amidst ongoing debates about worker classification, with claims that companies exploit the independent contractor model to avoid the obligations associated with hiring employees. It's worth noting that both the Internal Revenue Service and the Department of Labor suggest hourly pay may indicate an employment relationship. This discussion arises as the Biden administration seeks to define the independent contractor status under federal wage laws. However, it's too early to predict how DOL or courts will interpret DoorDash's move and what influence it might have on other gig economy companies. 
Gun rights advocates are challenging Massachusetts firearm regulations, sparking scrutiny from the U.S. Supreme Court. These challenges follow last year's Supreme Court decision, New York State Rifles and Pistol Association v. Bruin, which altered how firearms laws are evaluated and left many questions unresolved. Four active suits are currently testing the interpretation of the decision. In one case, Granada v. Healy, gun owners and manufacturers are challenging the state's restrictions on malfunctioning handguns. Another case seeks to have Massachusetts' ban on assault weapons and large-capacity magazines declared unconstitutional. At the state level, one lawsuit argues that the law allowing a licensing authority to revoke a person's gun license if it deems them unsuitable is too vague under Bruin. Another case aims to apply Bruin's test to the state's law prohibiting people from carrying switchblades. The Supreme Court has agreed to hear United States v. Rahimi, a case concerning the constitutionality of a federal law barring persons subject to a domestic violence restraining order from possessing guns. This case could provide more guidance on the implementation of Bruin. However, attorneys note that it will take years for courts to refine Bruin's boundaries, and many details, especially concerning weapons that did not exist in the 18th century, remain unresolved. A judge has denied former President Donald Trump's attempt to move his criminal case from New York state court to federal court. The case is related to hush money payments made to Stormy Daniels before the 2016 presidential election. Trump was indicted in April in Manhattan on 34 counts of falsifying business records to conceal a $130,000 payment to Daniels, facilitated by his then-lawyer Michael Cohen. Trump, currently a frontrunner for the 2024 Republican presidential nomination, argued that the case should be in federal court as it relates to his 2016 presidency and involves federal election law. However, Judge Alvin Hellerstein refuted these claims, stating that the case involves a personal matter unrelated to Trump's official acts as president. The judge also dismissed the argument that Trump has immunity and that the state charges were preempted because they were intended to defraud the voting public during a federal election. Trump's trial is set for March 2024 in the New York State Supreme Court, and it is yet to be confirmed whether he will appeal. Trump continues to argue that the case is politically motivated. Tesla has been instructed to turn over some of CEO Elon Musk's emails to JPMorgan Chase as part of an ongoing lawsuit. The case originates from a dispute over a bond contract that came about after Musk's 2018 tweet about potentially taking Tesla private. J.P. Morgan claims that Musk communicated about this plan through his SpaceX account. The bank has accused Tesla of breaching a 2014 contract related to stock warrants that it sold to J.P. Morgan, which it alleges increased in value due to Musk's tweets. The bank has sued Tesla for $162.2 million, arguing that it had to reprice the warrants after Musk's tweet and the subsequent increase in Tesla's stock price necessitated payments that Tesla has not made. Tesla countersued J.P. Morgan, accusing the bank of seeking a windfall when it repriced the warrants. Musk, who bought Twitter for $44 billion in 2021, agreed as part of a 2018 deal with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission to get pre-approval for certain tweets from a Tesla lawyer. His attempt to terminate this agreement is currently being considered by a federal appeals court. And with that, I thank you so much for listening to Minimum Competence, your daily news podcast for lawyers. If you're looking for more than Minimum Competence, links to further reading on all the topics touched on today are in the show notes. If you have any questions or story suggestions, you can find us on Mastodon on the esq.social instance. I'm at Andrew and my co-host Gina is at Gina. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the hosts and do not represent those of any organization we may be affiliated with. Nothing here should be construed as legal advice because it is not legal advice. Reviews go a long way towards helping new listeners to find our show. If you have a moment and can leave a rating or review on your podcast player, we'd appreciate it. And if you know someone that might be interested in a story we cover, consider sending them the episode. Minimum Competence is available at minimumcomp.com and wherever you get your finely crafted podcasts. We'll see you back here tomorrow. And until then, remember, get new socks. <laughs>